Hello, I'm Alec Wilkinson. This is Sailing Uncovered, episode 23, which comes to you from an anonymous industrial estate just west of London, uh, not far from Heathrow Airport, in fact. Why? Because this is the only place in the world where you'll find a full-on sailing simulator. They have them for training airplane pilots and Formula One drivers. Now, Artemis, you remember them from the America's Cup, they are now Artemis Technology and they've created a beast of a machine. The closest you can get to sailing without getting on a boat. And it's here that the teams competing in the brand new Sail GP circuit have learned to sail the F-50 boat. It's similar to the America's Cup boats from the last cup in Bermuda, only even more juiced up, so I'm told. And it's training day for the British team, which is why we've come down. We'll hear from them in a moment, but let's do a little walk around the facility first and find out what it's all about. Okay, well, let's go into the simulator itself. Wow, it's dark. There's a huge screen, five meters high, that is basically the, the skipper helmsman view of uh, the boat. Uh, so we're skimming over the top of the sea and the noise you can hear of sea and wind that's uh, being blasted in by speakers. And in front of me, three of the crew, Chris Draper, Dylan Fletcher, Stu Bithell, they're sitting in, well, it looks like a black bathtub, but it is in fact a section of um, carbon fibre hull and it's raised about six foot off the ground. It's on robotic legs that can shake it and in fact right now they're tacking and it move, oh it's shaking them about, it's moved a good metre off the ground and they are tethered in wearing crash helmets, they've got the communication system that they would on the normal boat. If I'm not doing a very good job of describing this, then go to our Facebook page or our YouTube channel and you'll find video of what I'm talking about right now, and it is awesome. Let's start by getting an overview of, of the equipment, of the technology, and speak to Simon Wattin of uh, Artemis Technologies, your head of simulation. Yeah, so this, this project has been um, the natural continuation of all the work that has been developed over the last uh, America's Cup, and we felt we had it was the moment to to tie all these knowledge and technology, and bring them into the next step, which is really that integration of control system development, human human machine interface development, physics model development into a single uh, product that ultimately could be used by any member of the team, but targeted at a sailor uh, audience. At the moment, it's set up for an F50. Um, how easy is it if, um, uh, I don't know, a trimaran crew came along and said, we want to have a go? Uh, ultimately, yes, that's, that's the goal, I guess. Uh, we are setting up to, to doing this. We haven't got the actual occasion to do so yet. Now, when we talk about simulators, generally we think about flight simulators. Mm -hmm. So how much of this has come from you know, flight simulators? How much of it is, is copied? How much of it is, is original? Where it looks like a flight simulator is the technique, the technology, sorry, of the of the motion platform, which is uh, which is called Hexapod. So it's got six rams over a triangular platform, which is typically what you would find in uh, aircraft simulator, where you would need a large range of motion. 
Uh, on the use and the development side, we uh, borrowed some idea from the car racing simulator where they are more uh, targeted as development tool, car development tools, so uh, suited for uh, car racing teams need. And uh, all the physics modeling are completely original and, and dedicated to, uh, to sail yachts. Am I right in saying it's the first one that's ever been made? Well, to that level, definitely yes. We think what's really original in, in this simulator is A, the motion platform and the advanced motion platform that, that we have. B, is the fact that we are running the control software code and the, and the control surface actuation code, so everything relating to RAMs and uh, power distribution on the boat is the same that the one that's on the simulator. So that really the two, uh, the two highly original and groundbreaking aspect of, of what we're uh, showing here. Well, the team are having their lunch break, so let's storm the uh, crew room. Dylan Fletcher, skipper of SailGP GBR. Uh, Stuart Bissell, pilot and tactician on SailGP GBR. Uh, Chris Draper, CEO of SailGP GBR. Also the wing trimmer. So, um, first of all, take us through each of those roles. Um, well, yeah, obviously the, the team sort of leader, well, CEO role, as they call it, is, um, has been a bit of a change for me, but um, really interesting move and, and um, you know, the opportunity came, came to me and it was one that I couldn't really refuse. Who's, um, who's funding the team? Um, so all the teams are initially from the outset funded by Larry Ellison and, and Oracle, but um, all of the teams need to become self-sufficient as soon as possible. So we're constantly what's, what's as soon as possible. The league is going to be is guaranteed to be underwritten for three years. So um, it's it, we've got some security there, which gives us good time to um, to build on what we what what gets established. I mean it's obviously a little bit tricky to sell something right now that hasn't quite started all we can really base on is what we've seen from America's Cups or other sailing series so um, so yeah looking forward to the series getting started and being able to market it a bit better. I know Dylan got a call from Russell Coots to ask him to you know, join the team as CEO did you choose your crew um, or did the organisation Russell Coots, Larry Ellison say well here's Here's a number of sailors that you could you could use. Um, yes, yeah. I mean, I put the team together, um, and with the skipper and the helmsman, there were a number of options that um, that Russell contacted at the start, um, and then we sort of looked at them all and 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 who we thought would be best for the team, and um, and yeah, making those decisions and choosing the team is obviously something I'd done some of that with the sailing team with SoftBank Team Japan, who I was with in. Um, in the last America's Cup and there's obviously not many people in the world that are capable of driving and becoming skilled to drive these boats. So. And there is a nationality rule? Yes, we're, we, our team is 100% British, every member of it is, um, is from the UK so we, that's something that we set out from the outset to make happen and you know some of the other teams haven't done that and, and some are obviously it's not as easy to do that because there's not many people that are capable of sailing these boats from their countries but um, but our team is is 100% British, and that's something that we're very proud of. And we're trying to make sure the companies that we partner with as much as we can, and so on, are, are, are from the UK as well. So six teams uh, from, well, obviously Great Britain, USA, Australia, France, China, and Japan. Five events uh, in Sydney, San Francisco, New York, Cowes, and Marseille in that order. And there's a million quid at the end of it. 
Yeah, dollars, unfortunately. Well, dollar, dollars, sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, there is. Although um, these days it doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter <laughs> no, but fantastic format. Um, not not a huge number of days racing. The emphasis on really high pressure racing and that you've got to perform at that moment. The the prize purse and the last event and the last race of the last event is obviously a huge motivator for people to do well and, and adds a lot of pressure, that extra bit of pressure and spe- and makes the last race that bit more spectacular. So which is the team's beat oh i think without a doubt the the australian and the japanese teams with um the australian team is is very much the the team that oracle effectively had um during the last america's cup um so they're all very spent a lot of time in these boats um they'll be very very strong from the start and so all japan there's nathan outridge driving that boat with his core team from artemis with ian jensen and, and luke parkinson so those guys are going to be very very strong from the start who do you see being the actual crew that will be competing the team is we've got um dylan obviously the helmsman and skipper and then myself on the wing, and then Stu Bithell in the flight controller role. And then we've got a backup for the flight controller role with Nick Hutton. He's also a, a grinder. He was effectively a flight controller for BAR. And then we've got Neil Hunter, Richard Mason, and Matt Gottrell. And um, Richard and, and Matt come from a little bit different backgrounds, but Richard was uh, ex- has been very successful on the Extreme Sailing Series with SAP over the last few years, so enormously experienced. And then Matt Gottrell is a huge physical presence. He was um, he was actually a gold medal in the eights in rowing, but was a 49er and 29er crew before um, before he made the switch to rowing. So he's got really good sailing skills as well. So I really feel we're very well set up across the board. Now safety is a big thing. You've got all the all the safety gear. Um, um, are you are you concerned? about the speed of these boats whenever any of us get on these boats we know what risks we're taking you know they're full on and if you get hit by a foil it's gonna it's gonna make a mess and um we've got a number of things like um crash software that's helping us identify if there's an imminent um, danger from another boat tethering onto the boats which is something that we didn't even consider during the other time that we've sailed these boats over the last sort of four or five years and that's actually looks very feasible um so really eliminates the risk of people coming off the boats which is is the mass risk how important is this simulator for you guys yeah well for us personally this is huge you know we're very lucky that this facility is in the uk we obviously have to pay to use it it's a great facility to shortcut and being able to get hours together what are the differences especially Um, i think the biggest things are that your sense of speed and and your um extra senses that you're using all the time are kind of a bit limited so there's no wind in your face there's no the sense of speed is quite tricky the um so some of those noises and those things that stimulate a lot of your decision making are are quite different in terms of communication processes and general straight line sailing getting used to the way the boat behaves when you're flying it all the time and things like that is very very applicable and, and really really valuable All right, let's have a chat with Phil Crane now, who's performance analyst. And uh, I've been watching you sitting at the screens um, just below the actual boat simulator. Um, What's on those screens, first of all? Well, uh, the first set of screens we have are for the coach of the team. So the coach is able to see a perspective um, of the visuals represented in the simulation as they would on a coach boat. They can follow the boat from behind or uh, look at it from the side if they'd like to. Um, and then the second screen, the coach and myself are able to look at the data coming off the boat, the telemetry, 
and we can see um, how the boat's performing. We can see, you know, every action that the guys take, um, the control inputs that they put into the boat, um, and how that's affecting the boat. Um, the screen that I sit in front of is the one where you set up the simulation, so I can change wind speed, uh, use different dagger boards, um, various other things to start and stop the simulation. So you're from Houston, Texas. Yes. Uh, how did a guy from Texas end up west of London? What's your background? So you a sailor, or you? Uh, yes, I've been a sailor all my life. I've competed uh, in uh, various sailboat races, and then I went to school for engineering. Uh, so I studied mechanical engineering. So you're one of those annoying people who isn't just good at sport, you're brainy as well. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got five of the six teams mm -hmm. training, um, not at the same time, obviously, but training on, on this technology. Yeah. And you're helping them all together. Isn't there a bit of a, a conflict of interest there? Yeah, we try not to share anything between the teams. So in fact, we don't share any of the video or the data between um, each session between the teams. Um, we give them all the same briefings on the control systems. Uh, so in that way, uh, no, I don't think so. When they're training down in New Zealand, you're also monitoring them. So it's it's kind of a 24-hour operation, this. Yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, when they're in New Zealand, New Zealand's 12 hours different uh, from here in London. So we're able to you know, run a new, if they have a new version of the control software, uh, we can run that overnight their time uh, during the day here. So I'm sitting here at the simulator testing it for bugs. Um, seeing how it performs, how it feels on the simulated boat. So that way the next day they can put that on the real boat and uh, have the sailors try it out in the real boat as well. It's interesting because it's the sort of thing Formula One's been doing for years, isn't it? Where they've got a, a, I know McLaren, for example, have a whole technical team sitting in a control room uh, in uh, in southwest London. Yes. Um, we're going that way with this. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we can have a full, you know, remote monitoring of uh, of our development process from here, which is very exciting for us. And uh, you know, I think we can do more of that as well. So I've got to ask this: a few weeks from the start of uh, the Sail GP season, yeah. Which team are looking best? Um, Who would you bet on? <laughs> it's it's pretty hard to say, honestly. They're all very impressive teams. Yeah, I mean, they're all very experienced, so it's pretty tough to say which one will come out. I knew you were going to give that sort of answer. Yeah. <laughs> the man at the back of the boat, Dylan Fletcher, is here. So um, what I'd like to know is just how different is it from anything you've sailed before? Yeah, you know, the F-50 Catamaran is an incredible boat, and after sailing the Moth, which is the closest thing in reality I'd sailed, which is you know a small 11 foot long boat that you sail on your own. There's a lot of similarities, you know, the what the boat wants and how it responds is similar, but the biggest difference for me is having five other people on board or four other people on board. We all have to do our job perfectly to make a foiling tack happen, you know, and you know, we all have to make sure that we do our job the best we can. There's all these little details that are going on, all the buttons you've got to press, you know, it's more of a, you know, a spaceship for me than, you know, a boat that I'm used to with having to do that. And the other thing that's really different is obviously the speed. You're going along in six, seven knots of wind doing 20 odd miles an hour. And that is something that you don't really realize until you slow down again. You're like, oh yeah, there's actually not a lot of wind here because it's just so quick. Can you describe how it, how it feels, <clears throat> especially that first time, um, which I believe for you is down in New Zealand, just how did it feel like to be in control of something like that? Yeah, it was incredible. We, you know, the first thing is just not even before we got in the water is just being having this full team around us and two ribs. And they're like, OK, so if you just direct us and take the boat off the dock. And I'm like, 
okay, well, I've not really done this before, but okay, this is now, you know, this is all real. And then when we sailed out the harbour, and I remember saying, right, guys, here we go, let's rip it up on the floor, you know, had massive grin on the face. And when it, came, when it, when it rose out of the water and, you know, started whistling and that feeling of all of a sudden the wind, you know, coming for not a lot of wind, all this apparent wind coming over you. And, I mean, I was grinning from ear to ear, but I was also, you know, I was just maximum concentration on keeping it keeping it up you know and keeping it foiling and the, ma- the amazing thing was me that you know I've, I've never really driven a boat like that before or you know with a wheel and having this twist grip to control the ride height is how your brain you know knew what to do without you thinking about it and actually if I just looked at what I need to look at it most of the time interpreted the information and my hand most of the time went the right way you know and that was uh it was pretty scary wasn't really sure if that was going to happen so it was nice to see that I was uh in the ballpark straight away getting onto an f50 for you guys uh in you know in real life on real water is, is difficult because there aren't that many boats around and I think most of them um, have been in New Zealand recently. Mm. Um, so how important is this simulator? How close is it to the real thing? Yeah, the simulator they've got here is incredibly important. The lack of training time we've got means that any day we can get you know, on the water is hugely valuable. But the simulator actually, you know, is, it's almost that Formula One-esque, you know, they, they've got their limited testing times and they spend all the other time they can, can in the simulator. And it is brilliant. It does work. It's... Um, Sometimes there's some nuances with it and it's a little bit different, but, you know, the, the basic basics of it are the same. And for us, it's been incredibly valuable to get back in here after sailing the boat and go, yeah, that's the same, you know, and being able to practice our routines, our comms, you know, it is, it is a brilliant tool to have. And for sure, if we were allowed to be in here every day, we probably would be. Um, it's quite cold in that simulator. It's dark, it's cold. There's this weird kind of science fiction type wind noise happening and then suddenly the the legs of the simulator it's like some huge robot monster mm. um it's it's just so different from being on a boat isn't it yeah it's funny being in uh, we said oh we're just going to go for our first day's training you know last year we're going to go up to slough in, in industrial state turn up into an industrial unit and get on board an f50 catamaran and go sailing around bermuda or somewhere lovely and uh it is surreal, but it is when you're up there and you get into it, it does, you know, you do you do get the, some of the sensations and it does it does feel like the real thing. And you've got a load of safety gear on as well, including the helmets and mics and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, so we, are, we have the same helmets and we've got the same comms gear so we can talk to our coach or we can all hear each other. And um, we're harnessed in because the boat can, um, or the simulator that can sort of throw you out. So there's uh, occasionally when it gets a bit hairy, they have to get, get their hand on the reset button. And we've had a few pitch bowls last time around, which was interesting, but luckily the, we didn't need to use the crash mats yet. Um, and how, how did the call come to, to do this? Who, who phoned you up and said, do you, do you fancy this, even though you've never done it before? Um, and did you bring Stuart in? Yes. Yeah, so it was um, a bit out of the blue. Um, I got a phone call from, from Russell and uh russell coots yeah from who, russell who's, coots. who's running the whole sail gp circuit yeah so russell yeah who runs it who's put this it's his, his you know his project with larry ellison is what they've come up with and he rung me up and i was like oh my god i kind of knew what this could be about but i didn't want to get too excited and it was you know it took a long time to get to, to the point where we were Stu and i were involved and signed up but i was like you know i was so excited when i got that phone call and um for me it was 
Stu had to be involved. I think he's an incredibly talented sailor. We sailed together on a 49er and it was like, I've got to have him involved. And I think having Chris as well is, is just, you know, just makes such a good team from the sort of three of us perspective and having all his experience. And we're really lucky with our grinders and who we've got on board. I've dragged you away from your lunch. So thanks very much um, and enjoy the rest of, of the afternoon. How many days of simulator training do you get in total before you actually go out on the, on, on the water in competition? So we had four days last year and we've got two more days this year. So we, we're taking every hour we can and maximising the opportunities. Still not much though, is it? <laughs> it's not a lot, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. And are you confident? Yeah, I think we're confident that we'll be, you know, we'll be racing around Sydney. I mean, obviously it's going to be hard to take on the more experienced crews, but, you know, the idea is to win that last race in the year and win the million dollar prize. Best of luck. Thanks very much. Right, Stuart Bithell. Pilot and tactician, what's the pilot bit mean? <laughs> yeah, the pilot bit, I guess, you know, um, there's times where my job entails flying the boat. Um, what we've found since uh, sailing on the boats is actually more so in the manoeuvres than actually in a straight line. Uh, that that job in our team has been given to the skipper on the twist grips on the steering wheel. Um, yeah, so I control, help fly the boat. Okay, so I'll be honest with you, for normal sailors who've never flown a boat yeah. flying a boat means nothing okay. what exactly do you do yeah so so the boats we're racing they you know they have 50s they are foiling boats which means they they come out of the water and just the only thing that it's in the water is a hydrofoil mm-hmm. uh, a little bit like an airplane wing if you like so, so you're operating those foils yeah and like, like the, f- the flaps on an airplane wing if you like we're kind of controlling that it works slightly different where we move the whole foil uh, rather than just the flap but um, the principles the same where I sit is just a joystick so very simply almost like a computer game uh, left right forwards backwards and, and two buttons on the top and that's how I'll be con- controlling the boat in the air but <laughs> there's a lot behind that little controller. You started in a 470 moved to a 49er and now you're in a flying catamaran yeah. <laughs> where does it all end <laughs> what about your olympic campaign how are you going to fit this all in or have you ditched it no you know we're, we're we've not ditched the olympic campaign at all uh still one of our main goals over the next two years um and as you know you know we're now coming towards the sharp end of the olympic cycle so there's certainly a lot of focus on that at the minute, as well as the F50 series. Obviously, that series is new and starting up. Um, so, yeah, there's no question we're quite busy, busy people at the minute. Um, How are you going to fit it all in? Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we're, we've have to be very organised with our calendars, uh, making sure that, you know, we can do both programmes. Um, but, you know, we've sp- spoken to people that have done it before, got advice and... You know, even some of our teammates are, you know, doing a similar thing. So, you know, it's exciting. I think the the two uh, programs complement each other. You know, it's still sailing, it's still racing. Um, are, are we going to see you in the World Cup series, or are you not going to go for those events? Yeah, you know, the yeah, there will be attending most of, most of the World Cup uh, Olympic sailing series. Um, we're actually off to Miami next week, uh, getting ready for the for the one out there. Um, 
and then from there straight to Sydney for the F50. <laughs> and to be fair, your likely biggest rivals at the Olympics are going to be um, Peter Burling and Blair Tuke, and they're doing a, an America's Cup campaign. So, you know, it's, it's almost matching them for experience and workload. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the, you know, the Kiwis have... They're uh, very busy boys as well, uh, but they seem to seem to squeeze everything in. So, yeah, it's, I guess it's similar to those guys in, in effect. And, uh, and, yeah, it's possible. And are you enjoying this, or is it so massively different that you're still trying to get your head around it? I mean, I'd say enjoyment's an understatement, you know. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, it's kind of every Olympic sailor's dream to, to have a stepping ladder into the next area of sailing when they stop Olympic sailing. And, um, yeah... It, you know, without sounding cheesy, it is a dream come true. Um, it's a great opportunity. Uh, yeah, just really looking forward to, you know, having a go and, and seeing how we get on. Well, it's been awesome watching these guys training and in the simulator, and it looks <laughs> pretty hairy. Uh, and what the real buck must be like when they hit 50 knots, I just can't imagine. Uh, loads of videos uh, of the training and uh, the simulator, tour of the simulator, in fact, on our YouTube channel and Facebook page, so check it out. The deciding million-dollar race of the season, Sale GP, is on the 22nd of September in Marseille, France. And that's it for this month. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back again in a month's time. Share the podcast, subscribe to it as well, and we'll see you again very soon from me, Alec Wilkinson. It's goodbye. <laughs>